The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode here at the Kickpod Dojo. I am your host slash sensei, TJ Williams, giving you the insider of my martial arts journey, as well as discussing and analyzing certain martial arts-based subjects. And as always, I am also highlighting the life and career of martial artists from around the world, ranging from movie stars to... um, actual renowned people past present and future who are responsible for the martial arts styles that we have today all right so before we get on this episode of course this is the we're at the closing of um february which is black history month so i would have an opportunity to talk about um one more um black martial artist in history but uh, before I get on to the subject, uh, a couple of things. Um, one, we um, experienced a loss in the entertainment world. Um, if you're familiar with um, the group, the Fat Boys, in the, the back in the 80s, um, yeah, they were um, the top hip-hop group, uh, along with um, Run DMC, um, yeah, LL Cool J, and, you know, all the people. Uh, of course, they lost another member. Um, uh, yeah, you got Mark Mark Anthony Morales, who was known as Prince Marky D. He passed away last week um, at the age of 52, like one day before his 53rd birthday. He passed away. And, um, yeah, he joins uh, Darren Robinson, who's um, known as Buff Love, Buffy. Uh, who passed away in 1995 due to a heart attack. And, uh, of course, the only member that stands left is um, Darren uh, Wembley, known as um, Kurokski. And, of course, those those were, um, yeah, the Fat Boys. Yeah, their name says it all about, of course, their appearance. But yet their rapping style was, like, really something that was really popping in the 80s. And yet, um, yeah, if you watch movies like Crush Groove and Disorderlies, two, one of my two favorite movies, yeah, they're, they just crack me up in that movie. Yeah, they're just like the common, comedy relief. And, but nevertheless, but um, yeah, that's one thing that we just had uh, to deal with. Of course, um, the deaths and, and speaking of deaths, um, of course, I got a death in my own family. Um, the son of my um, late uncle, who also passed, yeah, passed away, and you know, I miss him dearly. But um, my cousin um, was um, another victim of um, the COVID nineteen virus. Yeah, he passed away this past week, and um, <clears throat> this I'm just gonna tell you. COVID is still out there. I mean, we're slowly recovering. We're getting back into things. Things are opening back up. But on the other side of the coin, we still got to protect ourselves. We still have to wear a mask, keep our distance. Uh, 
definitely wash our hands. We know we got to be really considerate of others out there. You know, really, let's face it, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself and you're just in a hurry to get back into things, you know, let's say I'm impatient. I want things to open up, but, you know, I want to be safe and really try to follow the rules. I mean, what you do in your own house, that's fine. But when you're out in public, out in the store, out in bars, out anywhere, you have to really be considerate of the protocol and really follow the rules because what you do could be at somebody else's expense all right i just want to get that out of the way all right so of course i know he met my cousin a couple times but you know his father is uh i really miss him dearly i mean that's out in a couple months and uh of course the new trailer has came out and it looks pretty interesting you know really i'm looking forward to seeing this movie i mean of course um it won't be in theaters i mean yeah i'm uh, of course it'll probably be in selective theaters but you know um it'll be on hbo max and um really like i said i'm looking to see how it is but you know the 1995 movie the first movie it's gonna always be my first love because i grew up watching that movie and i still do it you know 25 year difference from you know robin shoe blue cane until and then this new blue cane i don't know who he is but um i am yet to see how he is but i guess um of course i look i believe this movie this new movie is not surrounded by luke cane it's surrounded by this new character called Cole Young, which is a new character. I guess this is a made-up character. I guess that's how movies are. They make up a character, give them a story, and then put some uh, actual Mortal Kombat character in the storyline. And it looks like it's surrounded by Sub-Zero. I'm not even sure, but like I said, I'm looking forward to the movie. All right, and one more, one more um, thing that's been been bothering me it's like i saw something on facebook saying that um you know um new niagara falls pizza is the best pizza in america so you're talking about better than detroit uh better than uh chicago better than buffalo you know all i gotta say is pizza is pizza i mean no matter where it comes from you know, I'm not going to be picky about where, pe well, certain places that um, I wouldn't get my pizza from. But, you know, there's got to be at least 10, more than 10 pizza places in Niagara Falls. And I've only been to like, only had like three or four of them. And, you know, really, and I'm not, like I said, pizza is pizza, you know, no matter where it comes from. You know, I'm not going to really say Niagara Falls has the best pizza in America. You know, there's like zillions of pizza places. And I'm not talking about pizza chains neither. I mean, I'm not talking about Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, um, Domino's or Papa John's or, you know, all those other pizza places. 
I mean, but really, you know, you're going to debate and say Niagara Falls is the best, that's the best pizza. You know, you must be tripping. I mean, something's wrong with you. I mean, all the pizza places in the world and you say Niagara Falls is the best. Uh, I can't, I can't really confirm that, really. Even though I am a native of, I'm from Niagara Falls, so I can't, can't really agree concur or i can't really substantiate that all right okay so enough of all that uh so let's get on to our episodes uh we got uh of the last of our um black history month so i like to talk about the life and career of howard jackson of course uh he sadly passed away in 2006 of course i think i recall yeah, he um, let's just say he's one of um, Chuck Norris's soldiers or Grandmaster Norris's um, students or yeah, black belts. And um, yeah, so and I know I think he did a seminar in um, Vegas and think before he died. And, you know, I, I probably wish I would have gone to Vegas, but, you know, you know, it's expensive. I don't know how it is now with the COVID around here, but you know, um, you know, yeah, at least I got a chance to go to Vegas, like really 10 times to really go to this convention. All right. So, <clears throat> all right. So let's get on to Howard Jackson. Howard Jackson has had a phenomenal winning streak in, in major competition, tournament karate, kickboxing, full contact karate and boxing. You know, he was voted the best by his competitors and peers. And, you know, he ended up um, obtaining the name California Flash because, yeah, that's where he was residing from. Let's go way back in history. Let's go back to the beginning of who Howard Jackson was. So you got Howard Jackson was born in Detroit, Michigan on um June 27th, uh, 1951. All right, so he was a son to working, cl working class parents who many times had to rely on government assistance for housing and food. So, yeah, so, yeah, I guess the jobs that his parents had were um, pretty much not um, promising. I mean, yeah, probably enough to lease probably finance them their themselves in general but you know yeah you have um of course you're the oldest of the four children and yeah but yet you know it's gonna be tough trying to um yeah, try to um provide for a family of four yeah, yet um, you got Howard being the oldest of the children, so that makes him the man of the house. All right, so yeah, I guess they pretty much life for Jackson's family was unstable, you know, and then and it gets worse that um, his mother and father died at an early age, so yet it left him with um, his brothers and sisters, and yet, you know, living in Detroit around this time was pretty much a tough you know you had um the detroit riot going on and yet yeah, and i guess um his two of his brothers died the um 
during that um I guess he died during that riot and yeah they died from violent tragic deaths so it left Howard and his sister surviving the streets of Detroit by themselves so I don't know how he managed it from there but you know that you know there's always a way you know you don't give up hope if they, life gets tough you know you could be living out in the streets you could be living with family you could be living with friends you know there's always people out there to really help you out all right so yeah yeah just moving on here so it wasn't until 1967 that he started his martial arts journey and studying kung fu you know really searching for martial arts that would work for him and that's like really that could be a start you know you start with one martial arts style see how it kind of fill it out see if it's like up to your expectations but um and then of course you got at the turning point yeah it came, turning point came when jackson saw a demonstration of an individual who have been studying tank pseudo karate for two years and yeah, I guess the performance pretty much looked good because um, it definitely got Howard's attention. And of course, thanks for the young man that was actually doing it. That would lead Howard Jackson to um, be the mentor. Or no, not to be the uh, be the prodigy and pro prodigy of um, Howard or not Howard. Let me go back. Let's see. You know, I get mixed up when I get excited about um, a subject like this. This is like, really, I wish I'd met the guy. And, you know, you got to. It would lead Howard Jackson to um, to be the high progen of Harold Williams. Uh, yeah, definitely um, an instructor in um, Tank Sidhu. And, uh, yeah, then he would mentor Howard into this first degree black belt in Tank Sidhu. And it wasn't until 1970, along with two other soon to be champions, you got Johnny Lee and Ev, Everin, Ever, you got Everin Eddie, known as the Monster Man. Of course, I did try to get research on Johnny Lee. You know, I got different Johnny Lee. You know, I got Giant Lee Smith. I think he's an MMA fighter. And I got another Johnny Lee who's, um, I think, uh, from China. All right, so that's a couple of things. All right, so, yeah, and I got, so these two would end up, like, testing for their, uh, testing for, like, another black belt with um, Grandmaster... Juan Juan K. Or Juan Juan K. Alright, and um yeah, and then the that then with this testing board. Alright, so yeah, and among this um people that were testing was um of course this is where he met Chuck Grandmaster Norris. <clears throat> Alright, so yeah, definitely it's that'd be that's to be the one thing, you know, you're a pioneer in martial arts. And you end up associating with other pioneers. And this is real great. So, yeah, definitely <clears throat> they would test. And then short after, yeah, he would probably search for 
the another ultimate self defense um self defense um martial arts and yet um he, he from there he would join the the United States Marine Corps and yeah definitely I guess he was stationed in California by them and then from there this is where he discovered the love of tournament fighting tournament competition yet he would read um of course his mates Johnny Lee and Everin Everett yeah Everett um Eddie winning championships all over the country and, you know yeah and definitely Howard said he wants a piece of the action. He wants to get in this competition. So so he went on to compete into the Four Seasons Karate Championships in California. So yeah, this is probably around the early 1970s that he uh, was competing. And yet, um, of course, he pretty much um, would prove himself... Um, a promising fighter but yet um i guess um when you're a martial artist and you guess you go get out of hand you end up not controlling your techniques and yet um he would be disqualified for excessive contact and by then i guess he was even though he was disqualified he was noticed by chuck norris and bob wall oh yeah if you're familiar with bob wall uh, remember um, Enter the Dragon? <laughs> yeah, O'Hara. Yeah, the guy with a scar over his eye. I guess that's the one that Bruce Lee killed in that movie. So, Bob Wall. So, yeah. Although, compl compliments for his uh, ex exceptional kicking ability, he was told that his lack of control, he has lack of control, and you know, Chuck and Bob also encouraged him to develop his use his use of his hands, his use of uses of hand techniques. You know, really, you know, he was an awesome kicker. But you know, you have your upper body too. You know, there's probably some amazing kickers. Usually, people with long legs are likely are going to be like kickers, because you know, really, you know, I have to fight um, people with. Um, yeah, usually you fight tall people, you know, you're not getting past your legs. Especially if you try doing a flying kick, you know, they're going to kick you. But, you know, yeah, but nevertheless, you know, you also have to use your hands. And especially if you have long hand, long arms, yeah, you're going to get a better reach. <clears throat> All right, so definitely, you know, you have, Howard really had a kicking ability. So at this time, they would invite him to Chuck Norris's studio up in um up in California. So definitely that's uh definitely you would have Howard would travel um to from his um military post in um Camp Pennington in California to Long to Long Island, <clears throat> California to, to spend his weekends on leave. Um, train with Chuck Norris and many other talented black belts. You know, you had Bob Wall and John Navida, and you got Daryl Garcia. Uh, you got Bob Birchit, uh Ralph uh, Algenia, and of course you have um, Chuck Norris's brother Aaron and Pat Johnson. 
Oh, speaking of Pat Johnson, of course, uh, he's definitely a familiar name here at um, the Niagara Falls area. I know because uh, my martial arts or my master, my um, instructor, highly talks about him. You know, I haven't met the guy yet, but you know, yet, but um, I'm friends with his, um, one of his relatives or one of his, um, yeah, one of his relatives. Yeah. Um, yeah. He talked about him in um, a recent episode. Yeah. I had an interview with him, <clears throat> but uh, you know, that's, um, that's somebody probably I'm going to have to meet, but hopefully he lives long enough so I can really actually just, just like bow to him and take, talk to him. And yeah, and of course, you know, you got Jackson, going back to Jackson, you know, he becomes a part of Chuck Norris's fighting team who has, were winning both team and individual championships across the country. And yeah, and you got, so in 1972 to 1973, Howard was ranked among the top 10 national fighters in the United States. And yeah, like I said before, this is where he gets his name called, gets his um, nickname, the California Flash, you know, because of his outstanding attributes, his initial speed and unique ability to rapid, rapidly close the gap on the opponents. You know, definitely when it comes to sparring and fighting, you got to really close the gap. And, you know, this is a lot different than fighting out in the street. You know, you're going against somebody that has no martial arts experience, but, you know, they know how to fight. But yet, you know, definitely when you're as good as Howard really closing the gap, then you would have an opportunity to beat somebody out in the street. All right. So really, and yet he was ranked number eight in 1970, 1973. And yet Howard was contacted by heavyweight champion Joe Lewis and invited him to a sparring session, you know, and Joe and Howard became sparring partners. Also, Joe saw Howard's potential to be a recognized champion. And Joe, well, definitely Joe Lewis, not the boxer, but uh, Joe Lewis as um, the martial arts champion in kickboxing. So yeah, you know, you know, you got two different, um, different um, name. You got you got the same name, but two, two two different people. All right, so we're not talking about Joe Lewis, the boxer. All right, so, all right, so yeah, and you know, he said Joe <clears throat> became part of um, Howard's um, success and helped Howard to become both mentally and physically prepared for competitive fighting. You know, definitely you got Joe who combined his personal theories in fighting along with Bruce Lee's and teaches <clears throat> these theories to Howard. <clears throat> yeah, definitely, you know, you have your own theories with other theories. You know, that's the best way you train in martial arts. You know, you have to at least one have your own interpretation of martial arts as well as studying other martial artists. <clears throat> so really, Bruce Lee had his um had an influence on most uh, most martial arts, but you know, yeah, I have my influences with Bruce Lee as well as um certain other martial artists. You know, there's yeah, of course, Mr. Norris. Yeah, I'm always gonna call Mr. Norris. You know, I'm can I kind of ref 
for freeing myself from As respect, you know, you always know that. You know, people, when I, my students refer me as Mr. Williams, they don't refer me as my first name. You know, it's a respect thing. You know, I don't call, I even, I don't think I call my, um, my martial arts master uh, by his first name. It's Mr. It's Mr. It's always respect thing. <clears throat> and, you know, you know, and of course, continuing with Howard Jackson, you know, while Chuck Norris and Mike Stone, Mike, Michael Stone and other gave Howard the tools of competitive fight them, you know, Joe sharpened them. All right. So, you know, all right. So here he is. So here he is. He's, he's in his prime. He's ready to fight. So, you know, you got, so in 1973, you know, you've got Howard Jackson winning the grand championship and first prize of $1,000 in a semi-contact competition at the top 10 at the top 10 national the top 10 nationals in st louis <clears throat> howard became the only two two-time grand champion of the battle of atlanta so you, he was yeah so he was there 1973 to 1974 he was the only two-time champion and of course, in 19, of course, yeah, in 1973, he was inducted into the Black Belt Hall of Fame as the best fighter, the fighter of the year. All right. So, yeah, so definitely he definitely was definitely making himself noticed back in the 70s. And of course, yeah. And Howard became the, the, the first lightweight to dominate the sport and the professional karate's biggest money winner in 1973. And, you know, yeah, and Howard would definitely, would had uh, super, uh, yeah, and, yeah, definitely he would, uh, well, definitely he would um, go against probably people like, um, Bill Wallace, uh, Superfoot. Yeah, and definitely. At the time, it was he was America's top tournament fighter. Yeah, he was. And then, of course, you got in 1974, he won the lightweight title in a split in a split division, the United States Championship in Dallas. You know, Howard was the black belt and professional. Karate Magazine's number one U.S. Karate Fighter of 1970. Oh, really? He's making acolytes. And of course, yeah. And of course, unfortunately, in 1974, he would um, receive a knee injury. And of course, and of course, yeah, everything kind of stopped for Howard Jackson. Of course, yeah, you got a knee injury. And then um, I guess that really takes your ability to use your legs. All right, so yeah, and then after the two two years of therapy for his knee, you know, perseverance, perseverance, and um, determination, you know, Howard launched a comeback in 1976. You know, competing 
in professional boxing, karate, and kickboxing. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, he was like on a roll. He would want to be the best in and everything that he did. So yeah, all right. So yes, so in on January January twenty sixth, nineteen eighty, he captured the WK W. No, so so the world kickbox contact with her the welterweight welterweight title. Yeah, yeah, he won in the unanimous decision over Japan's uh, Yoshimitsu the Tama Tamashiro Tamashiro. Alright, so yeah, definitely, yeah, to win your first title in kickboxing, that's definitely one accomplishment that he would, that he would go on to win <clears throat> against uh, other opponents, especially one for, to become the junior, the world junior world champion if in the um, world um, kickboxing. So yeah, definitely, you know, you got uh, becoming... <clears throat> Uh, the first karate competitor, first competitor to win the karate player of the year award for only two years of Age of 20, 23, he attained his goal to become the first black man to reach the the position of tournament karate. All right, so yeah, so Howard would was the only champion in history to hold world championships in semi contact and full contact, full contact, uh, kickboxing and boxing. So really, he had a lot of accomplishments in his um in his repertoire. But uh, yeah, so definitely from pretty much the late the early seventies to the early eighties, he was definitely <clears throat> well definitely getting himself over becoming the champion <clears throat> and well known martial arts. <clears throat> no, excuse me. All right. But yeah, so of course in 1983 he decided to retire. But uh yet with retirement he decided to become the personal protecting personal protecting officer and training partner of um of of um Chuck Norris. Yeah, of Grandmaster Norris. Yeah, so definitely that's what he did I guess after retirement. But I guess around that time, um, Mr. Norris was like an actor. I mean, I don't know if he, I think he was still competing by that time, but you know, he was acting, he was doing movies like Octagon, Good Guys Wear Black, and uh, of course, yeah, he would do other movies like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of other movies, yeah, Delta Force, yeah, all those other movies, yeah, his. His total dedication to the sport and art earned him the admiration and respect of his uh, of his peers, you know, really of his um, contemporaries. 
He was also known as the professional's professional. In keeping with um, his goals and accomplishments and self-improvement, Jackson left his position with Mr. Norris and worked for five years as a bodyguard for the Temptations. Temptations, hmm. Yeah, so, so he would work for um, other talents out there. But then Howard would return his position with Chuck Norris. And, you know, Jackson credit martial arts, martial arts as giving him focus and a method by which he could achieve realistic goals. He learned that step by step, one small goal at a time, he could accomplish what he wanted. You know, that's a true statement. You know, if you're always focused on making a big goal, you know, you always don't focus on big goals. You know, you focus on little by little. You know, you have a big goal to get somewhere, but you got to at least focus on small goals. What what are the small goals you want to focus on to get to your big goal? All right, so, yeah, for me, of course, you know, my, my first goal was to be a black belt. All right, so really, and you know, definitely, I accomplished that goal. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I never argued about going to class. You know, I always was there. You know, there was times I had walked to. I think I remember like my one of my red belt tests. You know, before I my ma got home, you know, I walked. Well, for my I think my last um my last um, red belt test before black belt, you know, I walked from my house in the snow, you know, with my bow staff and with my uh, bag in the snow, like, you know, literally walked from my house to karate just to get ready for this test. You know, that's really dedication. All right. So, um, yeah. That was uh, one thing, one thing to realize, really just really being dedicated. <clears throat> so that, so from there, you got Howard Jackson, you know, he had his children. All right, so, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, he did a seminar. And um, when I, before I went to, I went to, I went to Vegas um, 2006 of um, July, and that was like, after he died in um march so yeah he was um diagnosed with leukemia in um 2002 and um i don't know if it was 2004 or 2005 he um did a a seminar in vegas but i know he did one of those seminars while he was diagnosed with leukemia and of course uh it was um sad that he passed away and like I said, I wish I'd meet me actually meet Howard Jackson, but you know, I kind of feel like actually meeting Chuck Norris or Grandmaster Norris like was uh, is equivalent to meeting Howard Jackson because you know he lives in Chuck Norris. You know, every martial artist that uh, Mr. Norris has met, you know, you got Bruce Lee, of course, Howard Jackson, you know, all all these great martial artists. And great people, these great actors, they live in him. And it kind of feels like an honor. You know, that's the thing that I always want to meet these 
celebrities before they pass on. You know, <clears throat> it's a shame that um they don't live as long. Like nowadays, you know, really, this is 2021, you know. I don't, you know, one thing that we always hope though for is um, hopefully that Betty White would um, live to be 100. I mean, she's almost close. You know, I don't want to jinx it, but, you know, nevertheless, you know, I just really pray for um, those actors that made an impact and want to live, let them live 100 years. Excuse me. Alright. Alright, so that concludes my uh episode of Howard Jackson. You know, yeah, he made an impact in his um martial arts career. And um of course uh I like to say this has been an honor talking about like the black history the black martial artist for this black history month and um of course this has been a wonderful month. But uh give you the little preview of next month uh next month is march um is march is uh national women's women's month so yeah i got a lineup of women who i want to talk to talk about in um the next month all right so so keep your eyes open on so keep your ears open on that all right so give you a little history of um the, the women martial artists that um in history the pioneers of martial arts so, uh, so I probably would like to talk to certain women out there that are, you know, I definitely follow Instagram. There's a lot of women that are. So I want to at least uh, try to either interview them or do like a live Instagram, see if I could catch them. But, um, you know, there's a lot of busy people. So that's always something fun. But, uh, This is Generic American Sports Podcast Center. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Generic American Sports Host Podcast Thing. Today in sporting news, some things happened that were some stuff and some other things. Some t statistical values to back up those things are this. As you can see, the thing I just said statistically did happen. Yo, wait a minute. I feel like I could listen to this show anywhere and be just as bored. Why am I listening to this stuff? You want a better sports experience from your podcast? Head over to Hats, Tats, and Stats on the BICBP radio network. Not generic, not boring, and a little out there sometimes. Tune in. To Hats, Tats, and Stats on the BICBP Radio Network.